0: You're listening to episode number 33 of the Fit Successful Dad Podcast. Hey, what's up, everybody? My name is Gordon. Welcome to episode number 33 of the podcast. And today, I'm going to talk about crowdfunding. And I'm also going to elaborate a little bit into why I think crowdfunding is so Awesome and such an enabling component to a lot of people who have really really good ideas but have really really uh, like high limitations on raising capital or using capital that they might already have. So, uh, you may be in a situation where you're you know working nine to five and you've got a family and you've got some other stuff going on and you just don't have the five ten twenty thousand dollars whatever you need to start like whatever brand or digital product or something that you're trying to build. Uh, that's, that's tough. And, and there's a lot, of, a lot of ways you can get money, I guess. Like you can go and get, you can take out a loan, you can borrow money from somebody, uh, a friend or a family member, or if you have a partner maybe and you guys go 50-50 or have someone that invests in you for a cut on the back end, stuff like that. Um, you know, there's all different kinds of ways to, to get capital, but well, one of the ways that I think is is really, really cool, and it's kind of a way that you can use to validate your thing, your product, is crowdfunding. So, for those who may not know, crowdfunding is essentially a platform, and there's multiple like branded platforms, we'll talk about those in a minute, but it's a platform that exists on the internet and you can put your product on it and kind of start a page around it similar to like a Facebook page except it's almost set up like a listing and people can go to that listing that campaign page for a limited amount of time and like 30 days, 60 days depending on the platform you're using and they can donate to that project to help get it funded so it's it's and these are just just regular consumers so one example right now, if you've never done this, I, I suggest at some point going to kickstarter.com and you'll see that kickstarter.com is set up like an online store, except you aren't shopping for products right then and there. What you're doing is you're looking at campaigns. Every, every item, every product on their page is actually a campaign and that campaign is essentially a, a pitch by the creator of something and they are pitching their product to you in that campaign page. So you go to that page, instead of being a product page for like a new TV, it's actually a campaign for the thing that this person or this group of people are making. And that could be anything from uh, like literally anything under the sun. It could be a new book that they're writing, it could be an album that they're recording, it could be a like a, a revolutionary pillow that they're designing, A new, like a revolutionary pair of headphones. All kinds of stuff, kitchen knives, anything under the sun that you can imagine. And what this what this really is, is there's some creator out there, some, some entrepreneur, some inventor maybe, that came up with a concept, they produced a prototype, maybe, and they have pictures, they have drawings, they have video, they have demonstrations, and they are putting it in front of you and saying, look, we have this really cool thing. We really need 20, 30, 50, 100K to, to get the business up off, off the ground and on its feet and get our minimum order quantities in and push this product out into the market. And we are asking you to donate to us. And in return, depending on how much you donate, you will get something in return. So a lot of times you can donate like $5, $10 all the way up to usually in the thousands. And depending on how much you donate, you'll get a different perk. So a lot of, you know, there'll be like perks set up at different increments. So I'm going to back up before I go too deep into like the specifics. But crowdfunding is essentially a method for generating capital. And at the same time, it's a method for validating your product. So I will... I guess start by saying as far as like creating your campaigns and starting to create a crowdfunding strategy is just to, to understand that crowdfunding it's, it's free in theory to set it up, but it's not free (laughs) to, to actually be uh, to to be successful with it. So uh, crowdfunding, I want you to think of crowdfunding as almost a launch strategy and Yes, you will get capital from it, but it's not free to create it uh, in a way where you're going to get capital from it. So, if you've gone to the point, or if you think you're going to go to the point of getting prototypes for a product and then having them tested by you or someone, you know, and then reworking those prototypes. And when I say prototypes, I mean, this could be anything from a, a software package. This could be a like an online tool. This could be a physical product, like a supplement maybe. This could be a physical product like, a, a, I don't know, a new instrument, a kitchen knife, any of the stuff I've listed up to this point. If you've gone to the level of getting prototypes or you really think that you have a solid idea and you want to get prototypes, then that's, that's awesome and that might be uh, enough criteria, I guess, for you to go into crowdfunding. So if you get if you've gotten to that point, you have prototypes or you want to have prototypes, then you're pretty serious, hopefully about turning this into a business, whether it's a full-time business or a part-time business. If you are, if you're, if you're up to that level, then you're probably pretty serious about it. Now you could take your product your prototypes, and you could scrounge up a little bit of money and try to get uh, some small batch made and try to put those up on an online store or try to put them on Amazon or try to find influencers to help you promote them. Or you could create a funding campaign, a crowdfunding campaign, where you, that does multiple things. That doesn't just give you capital that also validates your product. And that's a huge part to building a brand or building a business, or just getting a product up and out into the marketplace is having that market demand and that market awareness and having that validation by the market. And it's, it's always a good idea to validate that product before you try to go all in. And what's great about crowdfunding is that it allows the market to put the money up front. They like, they speak with their wallets basically. And at the end of the day, like the black and white of it is that if you successfully receive enough money to get your business started based on people who don't actually have that physical product or that digital product in their possession, but they're willing to donate because they think it's awesome and you reach your crowdfunding goal, then that is pretty solid val- validation that it's going to succeed and that you're gonna have a fan base and that the market wants to accept your product. And there's no other way to validate your product 100% than getting the feedback from the market. The market is the market and they speak for themselves and they do that through sales. They do that through dollars. So where are we at? If you are in a position where you have an awesome idea and you have a prototype potentially, and you want to get this validated by the market and start to raise some capital money so that you can launch this into something big then you're in a good spot and crowdfunding is a way to do that i mentioned earlier that it's more of a launch strategy than a begging for money there is no get rich type of scenario when it comes to crowdfunding crowdfunding is not going to fill your pockets with money and then give you an opportunity to just bail It doesn't, that is not going to work. Uh, You have to put in the time and a significant amount of it and the work up front and oftentimes getting some sort of prototype and depending on what platform you use for crowdfunding, your prototype, um, like level of completion, completeness, um, it may or may not have to be further along than others, but if you, you will have to have some sort of like evidence that you have put energy into this and that it's going to be something that you're going to make into reality. That's, that's for sure. So you will have to do all that. You will have to put in the time and you will have to basically show that, that this thing is going to exist at some point. And you you know, can declare that time frame based on how much money you receive in capital. Um, for example, you can say upfront, okay, if I reach our, if we reach our goal of $50,000 raised, then we can have these, whatever item it is or whatever software it is complete by this date, six months from the end of the campaign, that kind of thing. So you can, you can set it up that way. And that's a smart way to do it. But again, it's not a get rich type of scheme. It's, it's not going to make you money that you can just put in your pockets and walk away with. This is going to get you basically capital to start your project. That's it. That's all it's for. Now, it's there's a lot of moving parts to it, like I said, and a lot of that includes upfront investment for – well, let me just back up. So as far as getting a successful campaign – or, or getting a campaign to be successful. A lot of times that's going to take a, basically building a fan base ahead of time. Basically building and cultivating and nurturing a group of followers. And that is probably going to be in the thousands if you really want to ensure success. And then having those, those followers and those fans um, targeted very specifically through things like Facebook ads Right. And just being able to really niche down on what little subgroups and categories of people you're targeting and getting them to react and then split testing your images and your videos of the ad, capturing some of their information like emails and then constantly staying in communication with them. And the reason that's something you do before the campaign launches. And the reason you do that is so that when the campaign launches, you can constantly like every day reach out to them, because that's your audience now. You reach out to that audience who was very specifically targeted and reacted to your ad, so you know that they're interested already. You target them every single day throughout the campaign or at some periodic interval, and you let them know, here's a direct link to the campaign. Please go and donate so we can get this thing up off the ground. And they're not going to be pissed about it. They're not going to be annoyed by you because they're the ones... Who reacted to your ad and gave you their information because they are interested. So, you know that's the point of the very specific targeting that you did on your Facebook ads, or whatever platform you use. I, I like Facebook a lot. Um, this is not a episode about Facebook ads, but they are extremely powerful. If you're not using them already, they're first of all they're very inexpensive for what you get, and also they allow you to be so specific with who you target. And what kind of demographics you're looking at, and uh, where in the world, and things like that. And also, everybody is on Facebook. There are, your entire fan base for whatever you're trying to build exists on Facebook right now. There might be more people beyond that that aren't on Facebook. But the core of your audience that you need or, or that it's going to help you get to where you need to go, they are on Facebook. So keep that in mind. Now, before I go any further, I want to be totally clear here. So I have never, up to this point, I have never launched a crowdfunding campaign, period. But, but, I know quite a few people who have. Some are successful and some were not. And I have been basically gathering data on this and interviewing people and asking questions with real people, not just reading blogs and stuff, uh, about crowdfunding for over a year. So while I haven't experienced it yet, and I'll talk about the word yet, there's a big yet there, um, I, I know a lot about it. I feel very educated on it, so keep that in mind. Now, moving forward, I am going to use this strategy, the crowdfunding strategy, Launch my next brand. I'm very close to being able to talk about the specifics of it, but I will say I'll, I'll, I'll outline everything that I've done up to this point so that you, as a member of the audience of this podcast, can understand exactly what I'm thinking, why I'm thinking it, and some of the things I'm doing. So, part of this podcast is also going to evolve into basically like a recurring status, if you will. So I don't know if I'm going to make that weekly yet or if I'm going to make it bi-weekly, but I'm going to have recurring status updates on my next brand. I'm going to be totally transparent with it from day one because I believe in it. I think it's awesome. And I think that there's going to be a pretty big audience uh, and, and a lot of really positive reception of the brand into the marketplace. So you can follow along with it and hopefully you can get something out of it. Now, where I'm at... I knew about seven or eight months ago that I wanted to crowdfund my next project. Now, up to that point, I had spent about three or four months or five or six months, I guess, learning about crowdfunding and participating in crowdfunding campaigns myself. So I I knew I wanted to crowdfund my next project, my next big brand, and I knew what the brand was going to be, and I knew what the products were that I was going to uh, build inside that brand. Um, I won't really talk about how I got there. Cause that's a really long conversation, but I found what I wanted to build and I started finding suppliers. This is a physical product, by the way, if you followed my Instagram, you've probably seen some pictures that I've put up of like different fabrics and stuff I've been looking at, but I found a supplier, the suppliers in China. And that was after It took a long time to find the right supplier. I I actually I ended up talking with over 12 suppliers and I whittled the list down without even getting product in hand. I whittled the list down to like five and then I ordered samples of of um, just like some some basic stuff, just starting to get an idea for their quality control and stuff. Um, I ordered samples from all five. I only received samples from three. And my, uh, my PayPal funds ended up getting returned. It was a big, long thing, but I ended up getting samples from three suppliers. Only one of them I found to be, well, first of all, professional. And second of all, their quality control and consistency and getting what I actually thought I was getting, uh, only one supplier delivered on all that stuff. So I found a supplier. They were great. They still are. I've been working with them ever since. So again, that was about seven months ago is when I started that process. And I have since received that initial sample. I had them remake the sample with a lot of changes, a significant amount of changes. And they did that, and that was basically my first prototype. Now, in that time, I also outsourced some graphic design for some logo work, and um, like just kind of like some um, dimensional drawings type work, I guess. And I had all that stuff done separate. So I didn't do any of that. And I found that person, believe it or not, on Fiverr. I usually don't have a lot of success finding people to do do what I need them to do correctly uh, and of high quality on Fiverr. But I did find a couple graphic artists on there that that do pretty good work for very low rates. So I had all that work done. At the same time, I had my supplier in China building my second or my first custom prototype, if you will. And then some time passed, and I received that prototype back, and it was great. But instantly when I pulled it out of the box, I could, you know identify five, six, seven things I wanted to change. So I made a long list of changes I wanted to make, and these are dimensional changes, fabric changes, uh, placement of components, features, different features and things. And I started firing off some of that information back to the supplier, and they were totally receptive of it and interested in working with me, which is great. And if you can get a supplier that's like that, it makes everything better. So that process took about a month. It took a while, actually, because I wanted to really stress test this thing and find out where its flaws really were. And I had other people stress test it a little bit. I had other people give me their opinion on it. And it's great to get negative feedback and it's great to identify problems with your prototypes. Because even though you know, as soon as you watch the prototype fail, you know <laughs> that there's just dollars going out the window. There, um, you know you're building a, a, a good product, though. You know that you know that you're going to re- design out all those issues. So you know, just like just like I, I think of prototype testing the same as I, as I think of um, like developing a skill. You know, it's great to fail over and over and over and over and over, and over again so that you can figure out what doesn't work. Well, when you're stress testing a product during the prototype phase, it's great to destroy it, basically, using all these stress tests so that you know exactly what to design out in your next prototype phase or your final production phase. So anyway, I had my second prototype ordered after a month, and that prototype uh, included all the graphics that I had made. So there's some embroidered logos. There's, uh, I had heat, uh, transfer tested. I had silk screen transfer tested and I tried out a bunch of different color combinations and a whole bunch of different stuff. And that took a while. That took probably two or three weeks to produce the sample and then another two weeks or something to get the thing. And I got that, oh geez, I don't know, it's been a few months now, or a month, it's a couple months, I, I, I'm a little fuzzy on the timeline, but I received it a little while ago, and I, I sent it through the exact same set of stress tests, so same people involved, and same number of tests, basically, and the same level of of test stress levels, I guess, it's the right way to put it, and I learned that, okay, all these features I incorporated are working great, and looks like I missed these somehow, or they're in the first wave of tests. And then also I decided about the graphic stuff. I, I was like, Oh, I don't really don't like that anymore. Let me, I like this better. And then I surveyed all the people who I had lay eyes on this thing and put their hands on it, on what they thought of it. And basically got to a point where I was happy making a third prototype. So I now sent all these changes back. And again, my supplier was super friendly and helpful and receptive of all my changes And I went back to my graphic designer and I had them redesign basically everything that they did the first time and redesign it all again based on some changes. And then, um, I I still wasn't happy with the graphic uh, artists work at the end of the day. It was really, really good. And they did exactly what I wanted them to do. But when I got it back, I, at the end of the day, I wasn't happy with it. So I put all that stuff in illustrator and I made some final changes myself. So everything's on me now because I made the final changes, but, um, you know, like sometimes that just happens, you know, you kind of have to take control. I'm not really a graphic designer, but some of the things I wanted to, to do to these logos and, and to the branding stuff, I, it was going to be harder to convey that and articulate it. And I didn't feel like paying more money for it. so I just did it myself. Uh, so anyway, the third prototype is currently in production right now. So it's the beginning of May. And I should have this by around the 18th or 19th of May, something like that. And that I expect to be exactly what I want to deliver to customers. Now, here's the problem. My supplier requires 500 quantity uh, of, of units to be produced for a minimum order quantity purchase. And I want to launch this brand with three different color finishes. So that's 1,500 units. And in order to produce 1,500 of these units and ship them to me in the United States is about $28,000, okay? So you can see my dilemma. I do not have $28,000 sitting in my sock drawer waiting to pay for this. So I have a couple of opportunities. I can borrow money from somebody I'm not sure anybody in my family is interested in giving me $28,000. Uh, I can go and take out a loan and pay some crazy high interest rate on it. I can try to find an investor who will take some long-term cut of my, my brand. Or, I'm sure there's other solutions too, or I can try to crowdfund this. Now, I keep in mind, I set up this entire brand with the intent of crowdfunding it, so I built in a lot of features and a lot of aesthetics that I think people will want to have that they and I and I did some market I' missed a step there in the timeline where I had a market research analysis done, and I paid somebody to do that and there was a million uh, like research uh, site like works cited in that. I had this huge report delivered to me. It was crazy. Um, But the trend for this particular product and related products has been trending upward for years now. And some of the things that this person did during the the analysis was kind of, they got really creative with it and they did some personal surveying of different demographics. It was pretty cool. Anyway, it looked good and it looked like it was trending upward in a uh, pretty substantial long term way, this product type is not something that will fizzle out. It's not a short-term trend. It's not something that that caters to a like a, 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 a passing hobby. This is something that's long term, it's timeless and it will continue to be timeless, I think. and also it has uh, a lot of uses. but, those uses are all very specific to a certain audience. So anyway, I feel good about it. I had intent from the beginning for crowdfunding and now here I am, I need about $30,000 to get this thing up and off the ground. What do I do? Okay, so I'm gonna start, I'm basically starting right now, I've already started, but um, this period of time, I'm starting to generate some visibility around the brand. I've started putting the brand out there just a little bit and the response so far has been very positive. I've been kind of teasing and peeping some, some pictures, some sample pictures, just trying to generate some interest and it's come back quite well. And I'm starting to get people that are like reposting some of this stuff, which is interesting. Again, I'll reveal all this very soon, but um, that's a good sign right that's really that's a good sign so i also have started thinking about the campaign specifics the crowdfunding campaign specifics now i have looked at a couple of different platforms these are probably the two most popular platforms one is called kickstarter one is called indiegogo and they both have very different types of people who go there and the platforms themselves are different i'm not going to spend this entire podcast going over the differences but essentially Kickstarter has its own image and its own, uh, I guess, customer base, you can call it. And there seems to be a little bit more money floating around the Kickstarter platform than there is around the Indiegogo platform. That's not to say that Indiegogo wouldn't be a successful place to put this particular type of product, but I'm going to start on Kickstarter. And actually, I can end up doing both, and I may do both. Um, you, if you, Just so you know, you can create a Kickstarter campaign, complete it. And then create an Indiegogo campaign. You can do that, but you can't do it in the other order, in the opposite order. You cannot, Kickstarter will not allow you to generate a campaign that has already been on Indiegogo. So just keep that in mind. So I'm starting to put together the content for this Kickstarter campaign. And one of the big pieces that I don't feel comfortable doing doing myself, and again, I'm a big proponent of finding what you're strong at and just like really focusing on that thing and doing it, you know, a thousand percent hyper-focused, just killing it and find someone else to do the stuff that you're not good at. Um, One of the things I'm not good at is ad generation and traffic, basically traffic generation. So like I know the, the higher level stuff on how to do that, but as far as specific execution, that's where I start to fall apart and I end up spinning my wheels and wasting my time and I have wasted a lot of money on Facebook dollars, Facebook ad dollars, because my, my, um, like the precision of my targeting was way off and my ad content and copywriting skills are basically non-existent. So I'm willing to admit that because if I didn't admit that I would just waste more money thinking that I was awesome and that I could keep doing it. So I have since talked to multiple crowdfunding, like expert agencies, if you will, and They're pretty expensive. I will say that. They're in the thousands. But basically, if you find the right one, and I will tell you who I used when I move forward with this. uh, If you find the right one, they will do all of that work for you. They will manage the ad campaigns. They will generate the traffic and the interest. And they will help you with things like photography, getting the right media shots. Basically ensuring that your campaign has a high chance of being successful if the market wants your product. So the way I see this playing out, if my campaign is successful, is that I will generate my $28,000 in capital that I need. It's actually a little bit more than that, but I'm just, $28,000 Call it 30,000 to make it a little bit easier. It's $30,000 in capital. Uh, plus there are some operational costs on top of that for logistics, um, like warehouse storage, stuff like that labels, uh, setting up the online store. There's just some other stuff. So, uh, even if we bump that to like $35,000 and I'm really just spitballing numbers, I do not have the final numbers yet, but I plan on generating. And if it's successful, I will have generated the $35,000 for my materials. Plus I will have generated whatever the ad spend is going to be. Let's just call it 10K. And then I will also have generated the money I spent on having someone manage all of that and manage my campaign and help me with dialing in on like super specific copywriting and photography and video scripting and all that stuff. And let's just say that's another 10K, right? Uh, So I'm up to 55K. If this is successful, I will have generated that $55,000 to pay for all that stuff. And where does that put me at the end? That puts me at a position where I have zero, almost $0 cash at the end, but I have 1,500 units of this product I have hopefully thousands, two, four, five thousand happy customers. Um, And I have a happy um, crowdfunding expert agency that I hired who was able to pull it all off for me with me. Um, Now you're probably thinking, how can you have thousands of satisfied customers if you only ordered 500 uh, units of each color and that's 1500 total units? How can you have thousands of satisfied customers? Well, Every perk that you have on your crowdfunding campaign does not have to result in you shipping them a completed product. So they might donate ten bucks, but you have a 90 dollar item. Well, you're not going to give them a90 dollar item for a $10 dollar donation, but you might give them at-shirt or you might give them a, a poster or something whatever whatever makes most sense for your product. So you know, you can have like I don't know, five thousand backers, people who contribute to this thing, but you only actually get like sell as perks a um, thousand of your your final product, and for those four thousand other people may they may have all donated ten bucks, so they might only get T-shirts or stickers or a hat or a hoodie or something. So you know, just keep that in mind. But also, as soon as the campaign's over, you know you can you can piggyback off that. You can have promotions. Uh, like links directly from your cam campaign saying, oh, well, you missed the campaign. So sorry you missed it. However, we're still offering a 10% discount for early bird purchases for people who link from the campaign to our e-commerce site and order you know, straight through there, stuff like that. So there's all kinds of ways you can do that. You can do that through your ads as well, Instagram, whatever. Um, so hopefully at the end of this, like I was saying, I have... Uh, enough money to pay off all of my ad spend, all of my uh, ad agency and and, um, crowdfunding experts that I hired to help me do this, pay all of them off, pay my supplier, get my quantities in here and get my brand up and off the ground, have my e-commerce site running full steam and have customers out there with the products, sharing their experiences with the products and starting to spread the word. Right? That's like a really, really awesome way. It's the same thing as if you were just handed enough money, like $40,000 or something, to get your minimum order quantities and get your site up and running and get your stuff up out into the marketplace. That's the same exact thing. It's, just, it's a launch strategy. So keep that in mind. Crowdfunding is a launch strategy and a validation method. It's those two things together. But it's awesome because you are doing all of that all the the investment part of it and the validation part of it you're doing that with your current and future customers so they're engaged from day 1 so i'm really excited to try it out and it may fail right i may i may not be successful with it it may come up short and that's okay right but i really want to try it i think the product caters to it really well and i think that if you are considering a way to get capital for your thing, your project, whatever it is, your brand, your your product line, then crowdfunding should at least be something you consider because I have yet to find a niche or a category where crowdfunding just completely does not apply. I mean, pretty much anything under the sun that you can think of would apply for crowdfunding because your product is not going to be successful anyway without an audience that wants to buy it and audiences of all walks, shapes, sizes, whatever, they all will be willing to use crowdfunding. So with that, I'm going to wrap this up. I'm going to link to some things, some useful resources in the in the show notes here that just kind of compare some of the major players as far as the crowdfunding campaign platforms go. And also I recommend that if you are interested in this at all, and you know, maybe you should be, uh, if you're having the same issues that I'm having with capital, then I encourage you to go and read up as much as you can. Again, I have spent almost a year studying this field or whatever you want to call it. And I have gotten myself to a point where I feel very educated on it. And I know a lot of the differences between the platforms. I know how they work. I know what makes them successful, what makes those campaigns successful versus not successful. And all that stuff is hours and hours and hours and hours of content. There's no way I could put that all in one podcast episode. So I encourage you to go read as much as you can, if you think this is something you want to do. So uh, with that, again, I'm going to wrap this up. Thank you so much for checking it out. And if you know anybody that is looking to raise crowdfunding capital for their project, please share this episode with them just to kind of get the thoughts rolling and see what someone who's starting this for the first time is thinking and what they've done and how they plan on moving forward. And also so that they can consider subscribing to hear the journey as I begin it here shortly in a couple of, uh, probably a couple months. So with that again, take care and I will talk to you in the next episode.